As Earth Keepers, we hold wisdom about our planet within our bodies learned through lifetimes of experience on Earth and throughout the cosmos. I'm Amy Dempster, a shamanic practitioner and your host for the Earth Keepers podcast, and I'm on a journey to reconnect with my soul family, the other Earth Keepers, grid workers, portal tenders, land stewards, and nature lovers around the world. On this podcast, you won't find gurus or dogma, just a safe space where I share personal stories from my spiritual journey. Welcome back to the Earth Keepers podcast. This season, I'm welcoming a series of thought-provoking guests to the show to discuss where exactly humanity is headed and how we can collectively create the future we'd like to see. We began the season exploring ideas around creativity, storytelling, songwriting, and myth to begin to imagine new realities here on Earth. Now, through these next few episodes, you'll be meeting people who are creatively working with sound, crystals, light, animals, and sacred geometry to help us remember how our reality here on Earth actually works and how we can creatively bring some of this ancient future technology into our daily lives. It is my deep hope that these conversations will stir something within you or perhaps light a spark in your imagination for what you might be able to bring forward from the depths of your imagination into this reality. I think it's going to take all of our ideas, visions, and inspired action to arrive at this unknown future timeline, or rather, the next golden age. My hope is that this season inspires you to bring your own bit of magic into the world to help usher in what's next for us all. Before we get into this week's episode, though, if you're feeling inspired to go deeper and want to support the work it takes to bring this podcast to life, I'd love to have you join me in the Earth Tenders Academy. The Earth Tenders Academy is my online course and community where you can learn more about the history and energy of the community that you live in, hold space for the healing of humanity and nature, remember more about your specific gifts and role with the Earth, and see the true magic held in your everyday environment. I invite you to step into this portal with me and hundreds of other Earth Tenders from around the world. Tap the link in the show notes to learn more about the Earth Tenders Academy and join us in this beautiful community. And now, on with the show. Do you have a memory of a golden age on Earth? Perhaps you've had dreams of a magical life in the sacred lands of Lemuria, Atlantis, or Avalon. A time when the people lived in harmony with animals, plants, stones, and water. Many of us also carry the memories of a destructive end of these golden ages, fearful that we might endure the same fate yet again in this lifetime. But as we stand here on the edge of humanity's next age, what will we create? Can we bring forth a new golden age in spite of what has happened in these other timelines? My guest today, stone medicine healer Sarah Thomas, believes that the crystals of the earth can show us the way. That in these years of purification that we're currently experiencing, the stones are helping us to access the deepest, darkest parts of ourselves that need to be brought to the light. According to Diana Cooper's book, Discover Atlantis, Atlanteans used crystals for almost everything, 
they were the source of their power and technology. Crystals enhanced healing sessions, assisted in awakening psychic abilities, and helped to increase mental capacity and focus their thoughts with clarity. Enormous crystal towers in Atlantis powered the communication networks and energy grids and even controlled the weather. And deep down, many of us remember that and are naturally drawn to working with these stones and crystals in our lives today. Sarah is no doubt one of these people. Sarah has founded the Upper Clarity School of Medicine to share the great legacy of stone medicine originally materialized by the Wu of ancient China. Sarah is a healer, acupuncturist, and educator, and is immersed in the clinical and academic experience of ancient stone medicine and future crystal technologies, standing squarely at the intersection of blending both the past and the future to help us usher in a new golden age on Earth. And so I leave you here now with my discussion with Sarah Thomas. Well, welcome, Sarah, to the Earth Keepers podcast. So excited to have you joining me today. And I just really want to jump right in. You know, you work with stone medicine, but I get the sense that stone medicine has a bit of a different meaning for you than crystal healing, which many of us are familiar with. So can you give us a little bit of background on uh, stone medicine and what it is you do? Yeah, sure. Thanks for inviting me, first of all. And hello to your people. Um, I am somebody who is a healer. I've been a healer for a long time and I'm an acupuncturist. So I've been studying Taoism since I was 20 years old. And then I was lucky enough to go on and have the most incredible teachers teach me about chi flow and what really helps people heal and the deep philosophy underneath change. And so as a healer, I was able to look at the difference between acupuncture needles and stones and crystals and start to study how those two things affect the body in different ways and also how they're the same. So my relationship with stones comes from placing them on the body on acupuncture points and watching the change and seeing how it's different from using needles. And I have a lot of experience doing that. And I think that's um, what makes my students successful is is being able to connect around like what really happens. And so stone medicine is kind of like saying herbal medicine because back in the past in, in ancient China, when everything was seen as a living thing and everything in nature was counted as something that can heal, everything has a purpose. They did a lot of work with stones and minerals and more than any other group on earth, at least recorded. and they were crushing up stones and ingesting them just as they were with herbs. They were making, you know, malachite crushed up with herbal medicine. They were making selenite crushed up with horsetail and they were doing experiments with healing in ways that we don't, we are not used to this in the West at all. And we, and there's no other place really on earth that you can learn about it in this way. So therefore stone medicine is kind of like herbal medicine in that it started with tracking the constituents of the stones and how they change the body. And in crystal healing, we, and now, now it's changed a lot, you know, stone medicine means a lot of things. So I don't want to relegate it to that, but that's kind of where that name comes from. But crystal healing, I think is something that is when we think of it in the West, we think of the chakra system. Um, we think of 
etheric change. We think of, you know, this is going to bring an energy in and it doesn't have quite the same relationship to the physical realm or the material realm that stone medicine does. Although both of them bridge both the material and immaterial realms. But I think in our consciousness in the West, we see crystal medicine as kind of like an ethereal change and maybe stone medicine, which most people don't know what that is actually, um, as as starting with actual you know, constituents making a physiological change. It's so fascinating. And I think we do forget sometimes how much knowledge and wisdom is held in so many of these other than human beings that we all work with or connect with, but yeah, that they can really have that profound physical effect on our bodies outside of just the energy body that uh, they're interacting with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think on that level, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit about the soul or the consciousness of stones and crystals. You know, I think a lot of us are familiar in that way, especially if we uh, work with them and have made a relationship with them that there's personality and uh, and the consciousness held within them. But you know, how do you see stones in that way? Well, you know, they they reside a lot in the side of the spectrum of the unknown. They are very mysterious. It's it's the kind of medicine or spiritual ally that I feel like when we get to a certain place where we trust ourselves enough to make contact with the immaterial world and go on that journey of trusting that contact. Um, that's where stone medicine comes in or crystal healing. That's where people get interested in that. So it's almost like advanced intuitive medicine. It's, it's advanced. Um, it's an, it's kind of an advanced energetic medicine because if we look at a stone on the outside, it's just this rock just sitting there, right? It's like, it doesn't really give us much information. It's just so inert. It just sits there. Whereas a plant, you know, it's growing. You can cut its leaves and see how it changes. You can water it differently, see how it's like the forces of nature enact upon it in a way that gives us more information, right? And then if you look at an animal or other things, it gives us more information. And stone looks like it's sitting there inert. And that is kind of the their secret. Like we have to go in and, and be like, there's a lot here that we don't know. One thing that we do know, um, and they, 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 I feel like they engage us in our medicine walk so well in this way, being in the unknown like this. But one thing that we do know is that they exist over these long, long cycles of time. And whereas my life is, you know, 100 years or so, theirs is 450 million years or 2 billion years. And so they just think of the cycle of day and night, the sun coming up and and the sun going down, like to them, that is a completely different experience than it is to us. The rhythms of nature, the forces of nature, um, the cycles, you know, rhythms, forces, and cycles, they, they feel all of that different, differently than us. And we have to find resonance between ourselves and them, the stone human bond. One of the ways of doing that is seeing that they see things on longer cycles of time. So for uh, for a stone, it's like, if I'm coming up to like a completion of a seven-year cycle in my life, that's where a stone is going to be like, okay, there's resonance. Let me come in here. Or if I'm coming up to like, I'm, I'm going to be menstruating for the first time, like 14 years old. It's like that kind of big cycle in our lives is where a stone kind of sees us and connects with us because they just exist on such long cycles of time. So that's one thing. 
about stones and who they are. Um, another thing about them is that they, I believe like many things in nature, they exist kind of in a, the consciousness of the wild. They exist in the consciousness of the oneness. They exist in the consciousness of nature, which is oneness. And, and that, that's a place where they're experiencing oneness. What changes is when someone, you know, it's like, it's an instinct program, like of a wolf, like they are functioning off of their instinct program of being wild and in the oneness. But then when one of us goes and picks one out of nature and an individual creates this relationship with it, there's a different trajectory that the stone can take via that relationship and, and a different destiny. And I see stones as having a soul. I see them as something that actually have their own destiny. And sometimes they're pulled out of that instinct program and out of the wild and their destiny then entails doing some healing and or awakening with humans or animals or other things. I love that. And I love thinking about is this a huge long lifetime that they have here on earth. And, you know, maybe we think that they're in our life for a long period of time or many, many years, but it's just maybe a little blip on their radar of mm -hmm. their entire uh, time here on earth. It's very cool to think about. And, yeah. you know, it's interesting to me, like humans and stones have worked together for thousands of years. I mean, do you have a sense for what, what is our affinity for each other? Why do we, choose to keep coming together and, and working together like this? That is such a great question. I'm glad you asked. Um, the human stone bond has fascinated me for a long time. And one of the things is that I, you know, walk with as a contemplation is stones are in the darkness in the earth and they don't move, you know, they don't pollinate like flowers. They don't move across the world through seeds getting spread. Um, they don't get pollinated by pollinators. They don't, they don't have a way to move about, you know? Um, you don't have to like check your stones at customs because they could start growing in another country. And I think one of the things about our relationship is that we help them move about. You know, they come up and, and we, for those of us who understand that they're the great networkers, they're the great connectors, when we move them about and create these grids and help them move and kind of give them legs, I think that that's cool for them because they realize a new, they get to experience, I should say, like their network and like communicative capacities, which are huge gifts of theirs. Um, and I love that because it's, it feels like almost the heart of being a grid worker is to help them move about and just have that connection. And another thing is that if you look at the human stone bond and you think about holding a crystal up to the light. Think about holding a clear crystal up to the sun and that clear light coming through that crystal. And when the ancients did that, that was profound to them because it's completely transparent to the light. It's free. It doesn't have the programming and the conditioning and the karmas and all the little kind of like darknesses or blemishes. It's just transparent to the light. It's a pure vessel to the light. It's, it's pure consciousness, and yet it is in form. It's not just light. It is also in form. So it's um, when we see that, I think to make this as simple as possible, when we see that, places in us that we don't even consciously understand see awakening. We see becoming transparent to the light. Our subconsciousness gets turned on like, I can also transmute the programming, the conditioning, the 
the karmas, the things that have come up that have created the self in me and become transparent to the light and, and just be pure divinity like that too. Subconsciously, we get that message from them. And that's a great gift that they get back to us. It really is. And as you were saying that, I was thinking, you know, anytime I have a gathering or a retreat or anything, I always ask people, bring whichever crystals that you want to be there, right? We'll we'll build a grid for the time that we're together. And and it's always so interesting to feel as they all come together and they all, it's like they have their own retreat, right? They're all there together and talking and exchanging and are also excited to be together in that way. And then take all of that knowledge and information and exchange that they had uh, with and without us <laughs> back mm-hmm. to their their home places. It's always so fun to, to experience that with them. It, it's, I mean, when we work with stones, when we really experience them like that and do those kind of practices, we get to actually experience their joy and feel like, oh, they're happy. They're talking. And that is, that is so cool when we feel that. It really is. I, I always, I always enjoy that part of it. And, and, and you're right. Feel that joy. Feel how much fun they're having on retreat as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a great feeling. Um, so, you know, as we're experiencing this global awakening process that, that we're all going through, I mean, what is your feeling about how the stones are assisting that or, you know, really why they're on earth with us or coming to the surface at this period of time as well. Gosh, I think why they're on earth with us is so fundamental to how the spirit of Gaia, the spirit of the earth is here. Um, I think that she is anchored in the stones and crystals of this earth. Like the living consciousness of who she is, is anchored in them. And if we didn't have crystalline substances here, if we didn't have that, um, I'm not sure if, if she could be here, you know, if she could have like stopped at this place. So why they're here is such a beautiful, deep, even bigger question than you're asking as far as like the change that we're going through and the awakening that we're going through. Um, I, you know, I don't know, Amy, I, I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I feel like there are a lot of changes that are about to come up between now and 2026, 2027. I feel like we're in a very, very crucial window. Um, So many ancient traditions talk about this window right here. Um, Even my teachers talk about that the window from 2017 to 2027 will be the most critical decade that humanity has ever experienced. And we are way older than we think. So to be in the most critical decade that we've ever experienced means that we are just at such a turning point. Um, I think that the collective consciousness has um, kind of a balance right now between, I think there's a little bit of a 50-50 going on with um, what people are creating. Um, There are a very small amount of people that are consciously creating a new earth. Um, and then there are a 50, 50 balance, I think going on between like what you could call light and dark. And if I was sitting here saying like, I think everything's going to be great. Like I, I don't feel like hundred percent congruent with that. I don't know exactly if there is going to be some kind of earth cataclysm. 
Um, I know that I can feel that we can all feel that energy. Like, is that going to happen? Because we all know that the, the, the next mass extinction is like kind of due to happen. Um, there are a lot of wise sources talking about that as well. I don't know if nature will continue to keep like shaking us off. And I don't know too, if it could be the, the, the quickening of technology that brings us to some kind of ending of this cycle. So I think, I don't know if it's going to be a really rough ending to the cycle or if it's going to be some kind of flow change that is workable for all of us. Um, I do believe that we are moving into the next golden age. I believe that is imminent. I just don't know how that's going to look. And I and I know that it's up to kind of like the whole collective consciousness. And I hear so many people saying bad things about humanity and how humanity should end and how humanity is, you know, even the best people are like, it's just, it, and I get it because there's so many bad things, <laughs> bad things. This is so like, not Taoist to say bad and good, but that's okay. We can track it right now. But there are so many things happening to animals and there are so many things happening to nature and there are so many things happening to people that even those of us who are very in our hearts or hopeful have these moments where we're like, you know, if humans would just disappear, things would be a lot better. And we have these moments like, should we go on? Like, are we really, nonetheless, we're uploading all of that. When we say all of that, we're uploading that. So it's, it's our choice you know, right now, what happens to us is my belief. Um, how stones are at play at that. So stones are a big part when you relate with them, they are a big part of helping us awaken. And I think that that's all that we can do is focus on our own internal awakening. One way they do that is that they help us to clear the programs, the conditions, the karmas, the things in our subconscious, the things underneath the surface. Um, and there are other ways that they do that too. Well, share a little bit about that, about how they kind of are bringing some of those things to the surface, maybe for us to see or work with or release that as we're going through this process, maybe need to be released and healed and uh, resolved in order to get us kind of to this next level. Yeah, it's we're in a great purification. The Kogi people say to my mentor right now, who are, I'm not going to go into who they are, but they are very advanced culture um, of indigenous people who say that this 2023 to 2026 is the great purification, um, where we are getting cleansed of our programs and karmas and conditions so that we can be held up and become transparent to the light. And I think that what is happening for many of us is that we're living about 10 lifetimes inside one lifetime now or a hundred lifetimes inside one lifetime. If you look at like where you were two months ago, it feels like two years ago right now. We're, we're, we're working through so much so fast. And when we come in, we, um, we have past life programs. We have ancestral programs. We have things running through our bloodlines. We have karmas, we have doshas, things that are just not resolved. Right. And those are kind of sitting there inside us almost like, are they going to get triggered so that we can heal all of them. And then we'll have some kind of trauma in our own lives that, that overlays over that and brings that up to the surface. And now we're like, okay, I'm carrying this thing around that needs to be healed. It is likely from a past life or is from an ancestor is from something like that, but now we are triggered and, and we have to heal this thing. Um, and when those things come up, it's, I know that people like you and me and your listeners, like we have some kind of perspective to be like, this is, 
something bigger than me. This is something passed down. This is something for me to work through right now. Um, and a lot of people just get so caught up in the pain, the pain of the past, the, and their mind goes crazy with stories and their emotions go completely unmanageable. And then how do we be in the present moment at that time? How do we be in the present moment, which heals everything? Stones are, they're purifiers for us because they dwell under the surface. So they resonate with what's under the surface in us. When we start doing some kind of application with stones, whether it's like elixirs or doing on the body treatments or doing vibrational grid work, they work at the level of the soul. It is profound. That part of us that has experienced all of the lifetimes, that part of us that is so much bigger than our name and our identity in this life, that's the part they touch and activate. And especially, I don't even want to say especially because it does it in any application, but in the grid work application, there is something profound about doing some kind of grid in your yard or in your home. You will notice that your whole soul turns around and looks at what you're doing. It's like tapping on the door to your entire soul and all of its multidimensional realities and lifetimes and dimensions and saying, this is what I'm doing here. And it all turns around and looks. It's, stones have the ability to work at the level of soul. And that's what they always knew in the ancient past. I mean, they named them for the level of the soul. Jing is kind of the name for crystal, an ancient Taoist. And that is the same word phonetically for basically the level of the soul. It's yeah. So, so when we work with stones, we do get like changes that are uncomfortable at first sometimes. That's purification, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just really letting that, that sink in and thinking through some of the, the experiences that I've had. And I think you know, if I think about a lot of the work I've done, whether it be with the grids, with portals, with my ancestral trauma and healing with, right, is that I find again and again that I just keep running into myself, right? That no matter which timeline, no matter which, you know, where you look in the world, no matter even in my own ancestral line, what do I find but other versions of myself, right? And all of those kind of coming together. And I think you're right, like all then, and and I'm sure it goes the same in other timelines, right? That I'm there as that timeline is here and et cetera, et cetera. But, um, but it really is, I think sometimes we think of a lot of these beings or guides or, uh, and stones probably included in that as being somehow outside of us or other than us or, uh, or anything other than us. And what we find again and again is that it's just us, right? <laughs> just we just trip over ourselves <laughs> in time and space again and again and it's really um beautiful to think about how they're um supporting us through that process and, and through and through that purification because uh, you're right it really these last few years have been uh, very intense and very fast moving i i can't i don't even understand how it's june right now it really is like the time time has definitely changed and in the last handful of years so it will be interesting to see and and I think I, I would agree that myself and a lot of other people I know are kind of getting these messages about these next couple of years being critical and also almost like not being able to see what's next where we're going what it, it feels like we're in this creation point of like we're deciding what comes next and that's why it's hard to see what comes next. We haven't decided, but I don't know that we always um, take the the power or the responsibility to say, like, I'm I'm a creator of 
the next reality, the golden age, or or where we're going. And so, um, yeah, I think I think that's really critical and important in these next couple of years. Yeah, and I, if I may add, I completely agree. And I think creatorship too is a state of consciousness. So it's like if we're like, why I should realize I'm creating this, or let me do this practice to realize I create this. It's it, it actually doesn't work because the self doesn't understand that it's a creator. But when we have a shift in consciousness, we just experience being a creator. And I think that the there's like a front edge of humanity because we're all like one big school of fish. And there's this front edge of humanity that is starting to have the consciousness shift that they create their reality. And I mean, that's what we need to move through us. And so, but I, I'm like always like mindful of if we say, you know, I'm a creator, I'm a creator, I'm creating my life. And we're not in that state of consciousness. That's okay. But what it feels like is almost incongruent because part of us is like, I'm a creator, but then there's these other parts of us that's like, but I'm not experiencing that. I feel like a lot of stuff's happening to me that I don't. So there's not 100% congruency, but that consciousness is coming down. That is shifting. So it's really good to pray for that state of consciousness to ask, like, let me experience being a creator, you know, rather than kind of like talking myself into it. <laughs> you know? I love that. And I think you're right. We all do that where we we know that somewhere in our body, I'm creating. And then you're like, I'm looking around and I don't know if I created this or not. <laughs> right? If I did, maybe it wasn't what I wanted. <laughs> right. Or I didn't do that one consciously. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't, I got something wrong there. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Well, <laughs> so I'm kind of fascinated about this link between organic and inorganic technologies. And also, I think we can kind of see these two tracks that humanity seems to be going down right now. And they do feel somewhat separate. And I think a lot of us paying attention to kind of what's happening with artificial intelligence versus organic intelligence are trying to figure out how to reconcile all of that. But it really feels like crystals are kind of this bridge between the two technologies. So you have a sense for how crystals are maybe consciously participating in artificial intelligence or where that's going or how it may play out? Well, um, crystals are absolutely definitely a bridge. They are a trans-dimensional entity. So they exist in the material realm and they exist then in immaterial realms and the many, many multidimensional frequencies that like span all the way into the void or the singularity. So as a trans-dimensional entity, um, there are going to be things like riding that bridge between the material world and the immaterial world. And anything can ride that bridge. You know, there are many trans-dimensional entities. I, I believe electricity is trans-dimensional energy. And there, there are many things that kind of like span these worlds. But this is a huge, when, you, when we touch on this with crystals, it's a huge piece of who they are. We just talk about how it's, it, and it's almost like a Gnostic tradition to think that the spirit of Gaia, the living consciousness of Gaia, this earth, is able to be here breathing, living, a living goddess here um, because of her connection with this crystalline form that she can touch down into. There's many, many temples in the world where there's a crystal in the center of the temple because in that way, the deity can touch down into the crystal in the center of the temple. Um, so the way that crystals are trans-dimensional like this, there are all that kind of different consciousnesses or level of consciousness of playing with that. There are what we can call dark energies playing with that. There are light energies playing with that. There are 
anybody who understands that you can send things back and forth across these bridges can be playing with that. And yes, there's all different in this realm where there's polarity, there's all different kinds of beings playing and working on things. And I think that AI is, I guess, AI is such an umbrella term, but I'll just kind of talk about it in kind of a simplistic way, I guess. But um, I think that humanity, where it is in its level of consciousness as a whole, is not a very high level. It is not a very high level. As you know, on the collective, we have a long way to go. There are many humans who have not even started the journey, like taken the first step of awakening. Like they don't see themselves at all. You know, they have, there's no mirror. There's no me seeing back at myself. They haven't even started it. So, and the collective of humanity has created so many of these technologies. And I kind of believe that the, the consciousness of the technology mirrors the consciousness of the creator. So I think there are some of these AI technologies that are just, um, I guess you could call it like feed off other individuals are parasitic, um, take without consent, you know, things that we would not, as we grow in consciousness that we would not do. And that whole thing is wildly exponentially expanding. That's the thing about technology. It took the consciousness of humans as a collective, which is not very high. And then just went, bam, let me just exponentially expand this. And if you look at what researchers are studying in the highest universities, it is a lot about these artificial intelligences doing things with our, without our consent, you know, which is some people call that the definition of evil, whether they're implanted into our bodies or doing things on us on the internet or in this digital exchange that we did not consent to. There is that there's like, that's an issue to deal with. And, and there is something that's really accelerating about that. And I just, the kids these days are just, I, that, that accelerating powerful. I mean, you see families out to eat and everyone's on their device. Like that is not turning around. That is not changing. It's too much. It's too fast. It's too quick. I mean, the kids want to type on the screen and see it out. Nobody's putting down their phone. That is not going to happen unless we have a shift in consciousness and humanity. A shift in consciousness and humanity would shift us from these intelligences that are created from the consciousness of the human collective mind to what I call golden age technologies. And golden age technologies are free energy technologies. They, they don't need... Um, to be fed. They don't need to extract from the earth to have to be fed. They don't need to conquer. They don't need to like colonize to be fed. They're free energy. They go on forever in harmonic oscillation, things like pyramids, things like longitudinal wave physics, scalar technology, things like crystals, um, things like monatomic elements, things like water. That if you just study how water moves and vortexes, water itself, just moving in certain angles and, and flows can clean radioactive material out of itself just by the way it pools and moves around. So I, I think as we grow in consciousness, we're going to tune into these actual sustainable, sustainable golden age technologies. And that those technologies have a much higher level of consciousness, I would say. I just, I don't know if they're going to they can't really pop up until we pop up in that way. And, and like, maybe like most things, they're just a mirror of who we are as like what we're playing with all right now, you know? Yeah. And I hadn't thought about it till you just said it, but 
I wonder it, when we talk about this consent piece of it, you know, we always think about the earth as being a free will uh, place, right? And and some of it obviously is we're not even realizing that we're giving our consent, especially some of these very, you know, if you're in a very unaware state. But I'm almost wondering if some of these technologies, it almost becomes like a loophole to violate free will, or will we always be in that space of even the technology cannot? And I really haven't hadn't thought about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um very complicated. What's going on out there? It's and and many do feel that the ex- exponential technology is what will bring us to our next mass extinction. We will see. We will see. And I I think and you touched on this a little bit earlier. You know, I think it's very common for people to say uh, the earth doesn't want us here, doesn't like what we're doing. Uh, You know, she can get rid of us in an instant. And while I don't find that to be untrue, what I found in doing this work and working with the earth and working with the land is that humans have evolved to be an integral part of how the earth works, right? Just like stones are. And at some point, perhaps we put ourselves in a situation where we're more detrimental than we are helpful. But I, I get the sense that the earth doesn't want to start over, right? <laughs> if, if, if she doesn't have to, right? We're, we've come this far. Can we, can we get uh, further and be an integral part? But I think we have brought, taken ourselves so separately um, and so far out of our intended alignment that um, we don't even realize that we're one of those organic technologies and that we can participate in these perfect systems that already exist. That is so Dallas, seeing <laughs> us as one with this like beautiful divine creation. I love that point. Yeah. And so, I mean, I guess the, the question really is, you know, where... Like, are we going to make it? And and do we deserve to make it at this point? Like, where where are we at? <laughs> totally, I know. And watching crystals, you know, at the interface of all this is it is so interesting because they're always at the interface of these digital exchanges. I mean, something like Bitcoin, which could potentially like we don't. There's still so much we don't know about. I feel like the origins of Bitcoin, but it's something that is potentially the most sound technology to free all of us from the money system that we're in, it's just such a beautiful closed system, like a closed circuit. And it needs courts. I mean, it it would never be here with us if it didn't have courts. We look at some of the other, the healing technologies that are coming. I mean, how could they ever possibly take place without carbon? And, And then if you look at what is being done with graphene oxide or carbon to do some of these non like take without consent technologies as well, it's like the crystals are they're always at the interface between these different dimensions. And if there is a nefarious or like malevolent being that is supernatural or otherworldly or, you know, from another dimension that is kind of controlling all this and wanting to take over, um, that being too would probably work with crystals to move into this reality and back out of this reality. I mean, actually, I absolutely know that they have, you can see all you have to do is read about what Facebook's doing, read about certain things. Like what is at the very tip of the technology that they're doing? You'll see there's a crystal there. 
lots of pain everywhere. Yeah. Well, so I guess the, the next logical place from that is if people are feeling helpless, hopeless, you know, where can they find hope? Where should they tap in and be looking for um, for that golden age that we believe is coming? Yeah, I, you know, I talk about the answer is the angel answer of know thyself. It's everything that we are looking for answers for are found within and everything in our external life is a mirror of us and everything going on. is just a mirror of what's going on in our internal world. There are three technologies that um, it's funny to use the word technology now for this, but there are three kind of like spiritual practices that, that come forth as these avenues. And one of them is prayer. And I know that that word can be touchy sometimes if you come from a background where prayer was used in a way that is just uncomfortable for you. But actually asking for help from spiritual guides and allies or something that you actually feel connected to, that is a really sound way to actually raise your level of consciousness because we can't raise our level of consciousness from where we are. You, you know, the same consciousness that created this consciousness cannot fix it. So that's why prayer is the one that we, you, you jump up to something that's like a little bit more whole and coherent than you. And you ask for help, ask for help. Like these are the things where like, you just say, I have no control over this. I feel helpless. I don't know what to do about this. Please give me a higher state of consciousness. It's pretty much the, the best prayer that you could ask for. Um, another one of those technologies is um, I, I call them mystical practices and mystical practices is where you do something like you're doing EMDR or you're doing shamanic journeying, or you're doing something where you're going within, whether you're giving yourself a crystal treatment, but you go within and you let yourself have some kind of mystical experience. Sometimes these are guided meditations, um, but that journey inward, that kind of practice, the mystical practice, what that does is it actually gives us our own superpower so it can heighten our inner knowing it can heighten our intuition it can heighten our connection to ourself it can heighten our ability to find the truth or find clarity so those mystical practices bring us um, superpowers and there's one other technology and that is a ritual and one of the things that ritual is able to do no matter how you set up ritual no matter how bad you're hurting whether it's just like lighting a candle every morning um, standing outside every morning, whatever your ritual is, that is a technology that actually can work on the programs, the conditions, the karmas, the lifetimes, all that stuff down in our soul that's like wanting to shake up and purify and change and transform the way that we're living off the past instead of creating the future. Ritual shifts the programs. It's ritual that actually shifts the program. So that's actually how you can work on yourself is through ritual. So it's prayer changes the consciousness. Mystical practice gives us the superpowers that we need, like our gifts. And then the third one being um, ritual, it actually changes our programs. So beautiful and, and so simple and yet so often overlooked, almost, I think, because it is too simple, right? We're, we're told everything has to be so complicated or detailed, and sometimes it really is, like you say, going outside and seeing the sunrise and the sunset every day or whatever um, whatever reconnects you in that way. So 
I, it really, especially with ritual, it can be so simple. And it does something. Well, I think we've touched on this a little bit, but I did want to ask you directly before, um, before we wrap up, but to talk a little bit about cosmic consciousness and kind of what that is and how we can consciously work with that. I think you must have listened to my podcast episode where I talked about cosmic consciousness and the awakening of humanity. (laughs) I'm glad that we're making that connection because that way I understand the term cosmic consciousness, how you're saying it and how we're using it. Um, In that talk, I was talking about how when humanity, the collective humanity is actually in connection with another collective. And it's kind of a cosmic collective. It's a higher octave collective. Maybe it's everybody in the galaxy. I, I don't, we don't even have to define it, but it's it's a higher collective. It's a higher harmonic collective. And we're in this exchange with it. So when all of humanity is basically uploading into that higher collective, something like we don't deserve to live, we're ruining the planet. We feed that into that higher collective and that higher collective is far more powerful than us. And that's the kind of thing that could make an asteroid hit the planet or a super volcano go off or something, because it's really just taking information from our collective and saying, okay, like, this is what we want. It's almost like just a mirror response. And it moves all the way up to the, you know, in these harmonic octaves, all the way up to the whole oneness. It's just kind of the next higher octave of collective. And we want to be careful what we upload into that um and as an individual it's like we can't control what the whole collective is uploading into it but if what i find really important for me is to bring myself back to a state of compassion for humanity and a state of gratitude for what you know the things in my life and what i have and Gratitude is is one of the most important things to ever have or upload because it it shifts all the programs. It's a magical state that can shift all of them. It's a really profound one. And so in my own life, I'm like, when I hear people around me, and we all do it because we have spiritual conversations all the time, but when I hear people be like, maybe we just shouldn't be here or we're messing things up so bad or humans are such assholes or humans are doing this or that, it's trying to become conscious of um, having compassion and or gratitude in that moment to to at least do my part and uploading something into the cosmic consciousness that is, um, you know, I think just a little bit more love-centered than like judgment. Yeah, and you know, as you're saying that, I'm thinking the true power of mass media, right? To um, synchronize thoughts or feelings. Uh, you know, at a similar time, whether that be a feeling of panic or fear or, you know, a feeling of coming together and love and joy, but that really the consciousness we need to have when we are participating in a group thought, a group think of of any kind, um, how much amplified uh, or how amplified that feeling or thought would be when we combine it with millions of other people. 
yeah, I feel like it's it's more than just even multiplied, like it's exponentially more powerful. And it goes to show why there have been such deep, long agendas for manipulation or propaganda. It's like they know that it's powerful. But I'm glad you brought that up because it it's um those like waves going over everybody, whether it's through like a Marvel movie or a commercial and coming out consciously or subconsciously is one of the things that keeps us in the lower state that we are in. It's true. I, I've had the experience once a handful of years ago where um, was we have friends that want to come over and watch the Super Bowl every year, right? And we don't watch football, but <laughs> that's fine. We'll get together and eat a bunch of food and watch the Super Bowl. Yeah. And in the lead up before the game started, there was some big patriotic tribute, right? Like, I don't know what it was, but, in, and it felt weird. I was watching it thinking, this seems like a weird place for this, right? It was very um, showing different wars that Americans have fought in and all of these different things. It was meant to be very, uh, you know, patriotic. And I physically saw something come out of the TV and it was on a wave and it was, it, you know, like some frequency some waveform that was coming out to I felt you know tap everybody into this thought or this feeling or this whatever it was and I kind of immediately was like whoa 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 (laughs) not don't know what it is don't want it (laughs) yeah uh kind of thing that I thought gosh what to experience that in that way you realize um you know of course we're aware of uh television and radio and now social media and all of these things to, you know, broadcast a frequency, but to really experience in that way, you realize um, we don't always know what's kind of layered on top of these uh, things that we, that we engage with and really being kind of conscious and careful about how we engage with them. Yeah. I, I, I love that story because it's something that you experienced and, and happened and it's not like you were looking for something to be bad or we're in a suspicious place. It was just like, here we go. And I remember when um, Obama got elected and like, I was actually in a bar when he was elected. I was like 26 or something like that. And they were showing these images of everybody on the streets. Like there was like millions of people like dancing in Washington, DC and all this. And then the whole bar was cheering. And, and then in his inauguration, I think there was more people on the, the federal mall, like the Washington mall than like ever before. There's like a million people there. And it was so like, everybody was so enchanted. Everybody was so enchanted by that. It was just, and, and I learned later that I listened to the sound expert who studied dolphins for his entire career and studied like the frequency of the sounds that they make. And that those experts that were so, so expertise through dolphins on sound and treatment had worked on his campaign. They had brought all of their, all of their technology to his campaign for like the first big experiment of their, their work. And watching a whole interview with that guy was, it just all made sense. It was like, that's why everybody was so enchanted. Not just that, but you know, the technologies behind the scenes are powerful. Right. And, and we may or may not be consenting to them yet again. It's not something that we're, uh, stepping into and saying, I'm aware of what's happening and I choose to participate. And yet we are in many ways choosing to participate and not necessarily knowing what's happening behind the scenes. Yeah. I hadn't heard well, that before about that. The 
the dolphins, the researchers. You know, sometimes you learn something and you're like, now everything makes sense. Right. It was going on. I'm like, that was a powerful campaign. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, just to kind of wrap things up, you mentioned the golden age that we're heading to. If, if you could imagine and create the image of what that would be, you know, how, how would we be working with stones and crystals? How would we be engaging with the earth in this golden age in your mind? Gosh, I, nobody's ever asked me that like so clearly like that. And I, the first thing that comes to my mind is compassion. It's, I feel that there would be compassion in the place where the self is running in all of us, which is just fear and a state of separation. And I feel like we would be, um, what's also just coming is as I'm seeing like a lot of work being done without actually having to touch the body or a lot of work being done without actually having to have the crystal right there, um, or a lot of work being done at a distance, like consciousness exchange, vibrational exchange being done. That is like an overall wave of compassion for all living things. I'm, I'm huge about, you know, the liberation of the earth and people and kids and animals like so that's what I that's what I feel like I see I love that I love that thank you for sharing yeah well what's what's that what 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 I feel the same way I'm like I oh goodness I don't (laughs) even that's why I'm asking everyone else (laughs) oh really are you (laughs) but I I am curious you know what's what what is everybody's vision but but I feel yeah the same way I think when we really tap in and feel and appreciate the world that we live in you know I think so many people are trying to escape right or don't feel like they belong here or don't are disappointed that they are here or or whatnot and and totally missing the beauty that is here and the experiences that we can have here and so there's I think in my golden age vision it really is understanding how to work with this place that we have right really being um connected and, and uh, in communication and in partnership with the earth and the soil and the trees and the plants and the animals and the stones you know i just think like what a richer more beautiful experience and i think through that you can't help but tap into that love and compassion and you know, that those feelings for, for all that we have and, and for each other yeah yeah, I agree. That is beautiful. Well, as we as we come to the end here, and I, I could chat about these things all day, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I'm sure there are many people who want to learn more and connect with you and uh, find you. So if you can share um, where where people can connect. With you. Yeah, sure. I am at upperclarity.com, which is U P P E R C L A R I T Y. And I teach stone medicine classes and um, have a lot of different classes if people are interested in learning more about stones and crystals from an ancient tradition. And also, if you just want to do a little Instagram checkout first, I am at Sarah with an H underscore E underscore Thomas. And that you'll see all our community working with crystals and stones. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining me here. It's been a pleasure and I look forward to staying in touch. Yeah, Amy, blessings on your um, 
Instagram and your podcast and all the things that you're doing. Thank you so much. Sending my deepest gratitude to Sarah for this thought-provoking discussion. And I hope it's inspired you to see the stones around us in a new and unique way. If you enjoyed this episode and think these ideas are worth spreading, I hope you'll share it with others. In the meantime, thanks for listening. And thanks for being here on the earth at this moment in time. I'll see you back here next week. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the Earth Keepers podcast. I'm so honored to share this journey with you. I would love it if you join me and other Earth Keepers from around the world in the Following Hawks Earth Keepers community on Facebook. To find the show notes, additional resources, or learn more about working with me, go to earthkeeperspodcast.com. Until next time, I'll see you in the multiverse.